We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to Cash Considerations, a Chicago Bulls podcast. We're part of the Blue Iron Network. I'm Ricky O'Donnell. As always, I'm here with Jason, Pat, and Jason. We are talking about the Chicago Bulls still being a roller coaster of a team. Uh, I think last time we talked, maybe Bulls coming off a three-game winning streak, wins against Brooklyn, Philadelphia, and Utah. We we're feeling great about the Bulls. We talked we after the, the Celtics games, game. We thought. Talked after the yeah. Celtics game was we, the last one, but that was a good like it was a good loss. They we felt good, pretty good about them, even with Demar's injury. About that loss, it was a it was a fine loss at that point. We looked ahead. We saw games against the Wizards, the Thunder, Detroit, Atlanta, Indiana, Charlotte, Orlando, all on the schedule. We thought, hey man, maybe the Bulls could be five hundred or better than five hundred by February first. Maybe this team can kind of put itself in position to start climbing up the Eastern Conference standings as the all-star break approaches. Still only really five very good teams in the East. That's sixth spot currently belonging to the Knicks, who, to their credit, are 25 and 19. The Knicks are turning into a really good team behind a bounce-back season from Julius Randle, a great debut year for Jalen Brunson in New York. Uh, but there's still like some upward mobility in the East, right? All the Bulls had to do was to beat some bad teams. But Jason, the story of this season is that the Bulls have righted themselves against elite competition this year, and they have really struggled against bad teams. We saw that play out again this week. Bulls lose to the Wizards to begin the week 197. That was the game where uh, Zach Levine hit a ridiculous three-pointer with like one second left on the shot clock with about a minute left. Gave the Bulls a chance to potentially win the game at the end. Kyle Kuzma answered on the other end with even more Alex Caruso. (laughs) And then with, uh, you know, down three on the final possession, Zach Levine thought he was fouled, shot a two. Shouldn't have shot a two, even if he was fouled because he missed the shot. So Bulls lost that game to a Wizards team without Porzingis and Beal. That was a fucking brutal loss for the Bulls. That did come without DeMar DeRozan, who has missed all three games in this stretch. 
but that was one of the worst losses of the season for the Bulls to lose to a Wizards team that uh, without Beal and Porzingis is one of the least talented in the league. They started Taj Gibson in that game, Jason, and the Bulls still lost. We Anthony Gill had like 20 uh, points. <laughs> That was brutal, man. Such a frustrating loss. Yeah, Gill had 18 points in 23 minutes off the bench. Uh, And then they followed that up with a game against the Thunder. Of course, the Bulls had lost to the Thunder earlier this year. The Thunder were expected to be in the Victor Wembanyama derby coming into the season, but they're like sneaky good. They're They're like in playing position right now in the West. They're close. Well, the Thunder gave the Bulls the business. 124-110. Thunder sweep the season series against the Bulls. Uh, it was a game that the Bulls made a nice run in the third quarter to make it competitive. I thought, okay, they can pull this one out, uh, but the Thunder just smacked them in the fourth. Big game for Josh Giddy, really nice game for rookie Jalen Williams, and the Bulls lose that game 124-110. Uh, interesting decision there. Patrick Williams, 18 points, his second highest scoring game of the season, did not play in crunch time. Billy Donovan went with Derek Jones Jr. over him. Donovan said after the game that he liked Jones's defense on Shaco Gus Alexander. Uh, so tough to see Pat, you know, in a game where he was actually scoring the ball, shooting the ball really well, not get to close. But, uh, you know, I sort of get it from Donovan's sake because Pat can't really DJ guard Shea. Shea can't just, yeah. Shea is super hard to guard in general, Uh, such like a funky offbeat player who just like moves in different rhythms than you're accustomed to seeing from everyone else. Shea is what top 15 player in the league. Probably Shea is a complete stud at this point. You'd probably say he's better than Paul George, right? Famously traded (laughs) for Paul George and like a boatload of draft picks only a couple of years ago. So his development has been awesome. He's averaging over 30 Uh, a game. You He's know the- what, though? He only scored 21 in that game against yeah. the Bulls. So uh, 21 on 7 to 14. Bulls did a pretty good job against Shea, but they couldn't guard anyone else. So uh, Thunder beat the Bulls in that game. Really tough losses back to back. I mean, I got respect for the Thunder to a certain extent, especially with them, like, apparently trying to win when everyone thought they would tank one more year. Uh, but the Bulls, if they're a serious team, you know, you got to beat You're the Wizards home. for sure, and you should beat the Thunder at home after you lost to them once already. And Thunder were on the second of a back-to-back. They had a big win in Philadelphia the night before. So, like, the Thunder have Philly, been feisty. Yeah. Thunder have been feisty. And Shea's averaging 30. He's, again, borderline top 10, 15 player this year. But still, they're on the second of a back-to-back. You're at home, even without DeRozan. You just got to win that game. And they got punked. They went down big early. They came back. They went down big again. They came back. And then they got punked. It was like the same, it was the same exact, uh, basically just kind of game flow the entire game. It's like Thunder go up, Bulls come back, Thunder go up, Bulls come back, Thunder dominate down the stretch and win that game. So yeah, disappointing losses. But then of course, uh, I guess I'll, I'll take clearly, it. Yeah. Clearly, the Bulls view the Golden State Warriors <laughs> as being an elite team because the Bulls came out. And they kind of smacked the Warriors in the opening tip. A great first quarter for the Bulls, 35-20. to They outscore Golden State. They weather the storm in the second quarter when the the Warriors basically stormed right back to make it close at halftime. But Bulls win, 132-118. The headline performance from none other than Nikola Vucevic. A career-high 43 points, shoots 18-31 from the field. 5 of 10 from 3, also adds 13 boards, 4 assists, 4 steals. I thought he was really active defensively, playing more towards the level of the screen, getting his hands up when uh, those passes come out, getting a few deflections. So Vooch was incredible in that game. 
he was basically the focal point of the offense in a game without DeRozan. And, you know, that was like Orlando Vooch right there, like hitting his threes. He took 31 shots, which without looking this up, that's got to be the most he's ever taken for the Bulls. 31 shots is a shit ton of shots. But he had an efficient scoring night, too. The thing with Vooch is he just never gets to the free throw line. He went two at two from the free throw line (laughs) in a game where he scored 43 points. Nothing easy for Vooch, right? Like, I think that that's where the lack of athleticism sort of shows up. It's like he never actually beats anyone to the spot. And when you beat someone to the spot, that's often how you get foul calls. Uh, But Vooch, incredible game. When he's hitting threes like that, he's a different player. We'll talk a little bit more about that later. Uh, Zach Levine, 27 points. I think Levine has scored 25 or more in six straight games. Rough shooting night for Zach, one of eight from three. He also went one of eight from three against the Thunder. But what did he do in both those games, Jason? Zach got to the foul line. And that is sort of the other part of Zach's skill set. Yes, he's an only three-point shooter on high volume. He's also really great at getting to the rim. And getting to the rim is probably the best way to get free throws. So, you know, one of eight from three against the Thunder and the Warriors, like we said. But against the Thunder, he goes 14 of 15 from the line. Against the Warriors, he goes 12 of 14 from the line. So even in a game where it didn't, it didn't feel to me like Zach played a great game against Golden State. He finished with 27 points on 18 shots, 7 to 18 from the field. Uh, and, you know, six assists, nine rebounds. His playmaking has been pretty decent. In general, this month, he's averaging 29 a game. He's shooting 40% from three on 9.8 attempts per game from three. So Zach continues to trend up. Uh, could be a frustrating player at times. I know my Twitter mentions were aflame with Zach Slander at the Wizards, the Wizards game, game yeah. when he in the final possession. Also, Zach played a great game against the Wizards. He had like 38 four. that game, didn't he? Yeah. He had 38. Yeah. You know, he was he, he was great. He was getting to the rim at will in that game. Uh, no one else did But he made a bad game. decision yeah. At, yeah. at the end of the game. And that's always been the thing with Zach. Zach. It's, it's kind of always been the thing. Like, does he make the right decisions in crunch time? A lot of times, maybe not. And like that was certainly not the right decision. Um, obviously, the game. I can't blame him for that loss, even with that bad decision. Nobody else showed up in that game without Demar. Uh, he was basically doing it all himself. And like the note about his shooting, the bad shooting the last couple nights. He does have this whatever like knuckle injury. He like banged it in that Wizards game. He like made an offhand comment. He said he had a torn, yeah, torn ligament. Apparently not true. Yeah, allegedly not true. According to the Bulls, they just said Billy said he had significant swelling. That would help explain why though his three point shooting has fallen off the last couple games. One of eight both games, but he has made up for that by driving, going to the basket. Even mentioned that it's like that's what you do when you got a torn ligament in your hand is you drive to the basket and you get to the line. Like last couple games, it's been great to see him get there double digit times. So. Yeah, Zach, pretty good even despite the three-point shooting falling off. Hopefully, obviously, I guess this will be something to watch with this whatever hand injury. If Hopefully, it does not continue to be a downer on his three-point shooting. Uh, obviously, getting to the line and making up for it by getting to the rim is helpful and getting to the line, but the three-point shooting is such an important part of his game. That'll be something to watch. It'll be nice that they have a few days off here before the Bears game. Hopefully, that swelling continues to go down and he can get that... Um, Get that healthy. Hopefully, Demar gets healthy these next couple games going to Paris. Um, but yeah, I mean, just overall, just for these last couple games, it really is just again the same song and dance with this team where they lose, they lose these two games where they should win. And then, like, the Warriors game, it was like a toss up, and I was going like through it on Twitter. The Warriors have been maybe the weirdest team in the NBA this season because they're the defending champs, they have maybe like the second or third best home record in the NBA. 
And then they also have like the worst fucking road record in the league. I think they're playing right now against Washington in a really, really close game in Washington. They might win uh, on the road, but the loss this game, they, they dropped a four and 17 on the road this season. And they're just, it's just absolutely insane. They're like a 500 team. They're elite at home and like league worst on, uh, in the road or on the road. So it was like, well, they're a high profile team, which and like a matinee, like the bulls will get up for them. But like, the Bulls, the Warriors are also bad on the road. So it's like, which version of the Bulls will actually come out? Now, as you mentioned, the Bulls did come out really well and they answered the punch well too because the Warriors did take like a seven or eight point lead early in the third quarter at one point. And then the Bulls just ran them off the court the rest of the game. Um, and a lot of it was just the, the Bulls forced like 23 turnovers. The Warriors are always just so sloppy with the ball, especially on the road. But Bulls forced a ton of turnovers. They get on transition. They establish Vooch and he has this career game. So I guess this is a good opportunity then to talk about just kind of uh, with Vooch, 43 points. He is having like the most efficient season of his career. I believe his true shooting is over like 60% now because Vooch, as you mentioned, has never been like the most efficient player just because he doesn't get to the line much. His three-point shooting didn't wasn't really a thing until a couple years ago. And then last year it was obviously it took a huge dip, but now it's back up to like 38, 30, I think 37 or 38% now. Free throw shooting still isn't there, but True shooting overall is up around, I think it's over 60 now. Um, And it's obviously, it's been a very big talking point, just like all season about how the Bulls, like they need to get Vooch involved. They need to pound it into Vooch. Uh, And I know our guy, Mark Karansoulis wrote, he has been kind of pushing back on that. And I've pushed back on this at times as well. It's like the answer, I don't think is just like hammering the ball into Vooch in the post and like slowing down your offense. Like that's not really what you want. You can do that certain matchups and the matchup like yesterday, is definitely a time to do it. The Warriors are small. They play small. You, you pound Vooch in those games. But, like, there are certain matchups where you're just not pounding Vooch because it just stagnates your offense. But Mark actually wrote something really good today about this, about how, like, the reason Vooch has been – one of the reasons he's been so efficient this year is because the, it's just the jump shooting has come back. Like, it's it's the three-point shooting's back. His mid-range uh, has been solid, although I believe his mid-range, just the attempts have come down a bit. But, like, playing through Vooch does work, but you just got to do it the right way. And, like, we know Vooch is a great passer – so getting him involved like the elbows and like kind of running stuff through him through there and playing off from there, I think makes a lot of sense. So like it, it, it just has been a huge like talking point on like Bulls Twitter and on the Bulls broadcast. It's always just like, get the ball in the Vooch, get the ball in the Vooch. It's a simple game, simple game. Like I think part of it that is kind of true, but you also, the jump, his jump shooting is also very important on this team that doesn't have many three point shooters. They need him to be able to sh- stretch the floor and shoot three. So it's finding that mix of getting him outside, getting him inside, getting him involved as kind of a hub of the offense at the top of the key. And we saw it all come together perfectly against the Warriors uh, where he just dominated. He was making everything, taking advantage of that smaller front line. But uh, do you think the Bulls should try to make it more of a point to do this uh, in all matchups? Do you think it is kind of just more matchup dependent? Uh, And just like Vooch in general, we've talked about they need to trade him, but he's having he's kind of having a bounce back year. I don't wouldn't say he's like the problem, although obviously with the roster construction and like the defense has been an issue. That is kind of a problem given like the core of this team. So just like. Where are you on the Vooch thing? Again, we've talked about how they like need to trade him. And like, I mean, that, I guess that you could say this kind of stuff helps his trade value. Go trade him to the Warriors. The Warriors could use some size. I was joking around, like trade be Vooch and there. AC to the Warriors for all for like all their assets. And like that would be huge, a great trade for the a Warriors team trying to win now. But uh, just where are you on the Vooch thing? Their usage of him, their trade deadline uh, uh, strategy with him. Point one. There's just more room for Vooch's offense when DeRozan's not on the floor. 
Like DeRozan sucks up a lot of usage, a lot of field goal attempts. And when he's not there, it makes sense to lean more into Vooch. Number two, Stacey King, who generally I I like. (laughs) Stacey's great. We love Stacey. But it kind of drives me insane when on every broadcast, he's pleading with the Bulls to pound the ball into Vooch like this is 1992 and not 2023. (laughs) And now we're talking about this Warriors game where Vooch had a great game, career high, 43 points. You're asking me, does this mean the Bulls need to pound the ball into Vooch? Jason, he took 10 threes. He did, yes. <laughs> it wasn't a game where he's scoring in the low post. This was a game where he was firing from three. And my main takeaway here is that this was the player the Bulls thought they were trading for when they packaged those two first-round picks to get Vooch. His last year in Orlando, 40.6% from three on six and a half attempts per game. The Bulls thought they were getting a stretch five, and they thought that Vooch was going to be a high-quality shooter for them. He wasn't last year. He shot 31% from three, a nine-point drop. Of course, the year he shot 40% in Orlando was the year with no fans, and basically the entire league was shooting better with no fans. Why? I don't know, but it was a league-wide trend. So that totally bottomed out his shooting ability last year. This year, after going 5 of 10 against Golden State, he's hitting 38.3% of his threes on 4.6 attempts per game. So he's not quite as high volume as he was in Orlando. He's not quite as accurate. But, dude, 38% on pretty decent volume is pretty damn good. good for a second. That's what we wanted. I mean, we, so we were just having a good year yeah. shooting the ball. He's having yeah. a good year shooting the ball. Yep, yeah, absolutely. Uh, the team is much, much better when Vooch shoots the ball. Like, that's the guy they thought they were getting. The offense is sort of has been kind of based around Vooch shooting a lot. How many open looks does Vooch get on the perimeter that he like either turns down or he fires and missed? Seemed like that was the only thing happening last season. Uh, this is an essential part of Vooch's skill set is his ability to stretch the floor. And when he sort of became like the new Carlos Boozer, and I'm using that as an insult last year <laughs> for Bulls fans, when Bulls fans were just blaming all the problems on Vooch, like there is more to Vooch's game than the shooting, right? Yeah. He's a very good screen setter. He's a great passer. He was really a playmaking hub for the Bulls last year, uh, an essential playmaking hub for them. And he's still doing all that this year. And he's been, you know, pretty solid uh, playmaking numbers. Above three, three assists a game, just like it's been for his entire career. Uh, His game is more nuanced than just as a big guy who can shoot. But also, the Bulls are dead last in three-point attempts in the league. They're like 27th in three-point makes. So, yeah, they need Vooch to shoot threes. And when he does, the Bulls are a better team. His three-point rate is the highest of his career right now at 0.341. His true shooting, 61.1. That'd be the highest of, of his career. So, a lot of it is just like... The three, he's taking more threes. He is getting to the line a little bit more than the last couple of years, but he's get, taking more threes. He's shooting, he's making them more. Uh, and he's just been more efficient overall. So <laughs> we're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. 
Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. <clears throat> I also kind of appreciate Vooch's defense at the level of the screen. He's pretty active getting his arms up and being able to either get deflections or just like cause some havoc. I kind of like how they're using him uh, not in as deep of a drop this year. Also, Vooch still is a dog shit rim protector. <laughs> and I continue to want to see this Bulls team with a real rim protector. This year, Vooch is averaging under one block a game, 0.9 blocks per game. Uh, he just gets burned to the cup if you get a step on him yeah. so easily. And the Bulls don't have enough supplemental rim protection from their other guys to like come over and stop that. Right. I would love to see Patrick Williams used more as a low man on that. But instead, they're using Pat as a wing stopper where he's basically, you know, Ding up the best perimeter player on the other team. So uh, I think in the future, perhaps that's an area where Patrick Williams can kind of uh, shine as a supplemental rim protector. But it's tough to do when you're also the wing stopper and the Bulls need more shot blocking on the team. Vooch doesn't really provide any. So when I think about Vooch, I will think the fans were too hard on him. He's been an above average, pretty good center. One thing that like always gets said whenever like the national media talks about the Vooch for the Vooch trade is that they say, well, I'd rather have Wendell Carter Jr. right now than Vooch. I think that's bullshit. I think <laughs> right now, Vooch is a better player than Wendell. Wendell's also, what, eight years younger, nine years younger? Yeah. So Wendell will probably be better in the future. There's not a huge gap between them. But, uh, you know, the Magic went on a pretty decent winning streak when Carter was hurt. Pulling up Carter's numbers right now. Yeah, I mean, he's averaging 15.8 points, 8.6 rebounds, 2.8 assists. And even though he's shooting more threes this year, he's at 35%. So Vooch is just a little bit better in every category. Carter's a good player, though. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, of course, going forward, you take Carter because his career is still on the up. Yep. And Vooch is going down. But people always say that. They're always <laughs> like, I'd take Carter over Vooch right now. Well, no. Vooch is better than Carter right now. Will he be in a year or two? Mm, so yeah. You need to throw in two first-round picks. With Obviously, that, yeah. Franz Wagner was a bad helps change the equation there, of course. It was a bad trade. It was a very bad trade for the Bulls. Uh, the Bulls should be thanking their lucky stars the Rudy Gobert trade went down, because now you look at the Gobert trade and you're like, ah, the Vooch trade wasn't that bad. <laughs> but in general, uh, Vooch, above average center, just zero rim protection. It's yeah. tough to have a center with zero rim protection, but he's pretty good offensive center. I appreciate him. And one thing I've thought throughout this year is that the entire season has been a big game of who is the scapegoat for this underwhelming Bulls year. They now sit 20 and 24 overall. 
they would be in 10th place. So the last seed in the playing tournament, half game ahead of the Raptors. Uh, I don't think Vooch is the scapegoat. The Vooch no. trade is the scapegoat for why the Bulls don't have more upward mobility in terms of their like future. But like for this team, why are they 20 and 24? Like Vooch has been pretty good. Yeah, absolutely. Like he's not the, I mean, again, he, him individually is not the problem. Obviously when you look at the mix together, we've talked about just like the fit of the team and like, Maybe just like he's just not the right fit and with what the what they have. But yeah, I mean, again, he's have offensively, he's having a really damn good season, career efficiency season. Looking at reading over Mark's thing at S uh CHGO, uh he's he Vooch also just shooting the lights out from mid-range as well. So like just everywhere. His jumper is just killing killing it this season, contract year. Uh so yeah, definitely not the problem. So I guess then just like again, does this they still probably need to trade him though, right? <laughs> Uh, well, the thing is, like, what can you bring him back on uh, next year? Yeah. So if you could get him for the Al Horford contract, you know, you might want to bring back Vooch next year. Um, Horford, I'm going to Google his contract extension with the Celtics. Was two it years, 36? 20, 20 only? Okay. 220. Oh, no, I mean, that's, that's what great. I'm seeing. So can the Bulls get Vooch for 220? Probably not. No way. He's not. Vooch is like two or three years older. Yeah. Uh, Horford's two or three years older. Yeah, Horford's yeah. a little older. So can they get Vooch two for 40 instead of two for 20? Would Vooch know. do that to be able to hit the market one more time in yeah, his career? Know. Or what Vooch should probably do, if I were him, is just take the biggest bag yeah. in the longest contract because he'll be 33 next year. Still a good offensive player, but, you know, he could start to slip. Like, this is the age when guys start to slip, right. 33 or so. So that's when our podcast started to slip when we both turned 33 and now we're <laughs> older than that and we're watched. But uh, so I don't know, like if they could bring Vooch back on a decently team friendly contract, what I care more about on the next Vooch deal is years. If it's two years, 45 million, like I'm cool with that. I don't want them to give him a four year. Yeah, no way. 70 million. Because then course. that could turn into an albatross contract real quick. Yeah. If you get him for two years, like it's even nice to have that as a trade chip just to match salaries. So I would probably do that. I don't know if Vooch would do it though. And right. you know, with the cap spike coming, there's going to be more teams around the league with some bread. So uh, I don't know. It's it's interesting. Like, do you want to trade Vooch? Do you want to bring back Vooch next year? Case, who's going to be the bull center next right. year? It's just if the question. Vooch, it's yeah. not going to be Andre Drummond. No, no. The It's just the problem is just like, again, if this season continues as it's going, where it's just kind of like they're meandering along and they are dilly-dallying along. It's like, can they sell basically bring running it back again next year? Can they do that? And they're like, oh, we're going to get Lonzo back. And we're going to talk about Lonzo here in a minute to wrap up this pod. But can they really sell that? Just be like, we're going to bring bring it all back. If they like finish whatever, they win like 40 games. Say they end up right around 500, like, and they, whatever, don't do anything in the playoffs. Can they, like, do you think like, I mean, obviously it doesn't matter what they can sell to us. I mean, fans can be mad. We can be mad all they want, but like, I guess I could see them going that route and expect, you know, we didn't have Lonzo all year. He's going to be back next year. We kind of, we still kind of like it. We're just going to bring all these guys back and like maybe make a few smaller changes around the, around the margins. So we'll get another year of Pat and some continuity one more time. Like I think fans would be super pissed if that's the route they go. If this season does continue to kind of just follow this path. Um, the question is, yo, can, what can you do better? Can they get a Yaka Pertle? Can they somehow pull something for a miles Turner? 
which I mean, the Pacers, it seems like, want to keep Miles Turner. Pirtle's something else. Maybe they, like, I, he's younger, uh, better defensively. Maybe they try to go just a different route with a different style of player, which is what we've talked about. Um, I don't know. Like, obviously, you do need to have a replacement plan in place, and you just, like, you can't go into next year with Andre Drummond as your starting center. Like, that just can't be a thing. Drummond's, like, a 15-minute per-game player now. Sometimes not even, sometimes a zero-minute per-game player, depending on matchups. So, yeah, they do definitely need a backup plan. Like, would it be the worst thing in the world if they did keep him, they don't trade him? No, but, like, I think the way I know most people fans and the where I'm leaning is that it would be nice to turn him into something else and maybe just try a different look. But I certainly can't, like, again, yeah, can't blame him for how this season has gone. In general, he has played as re- as well as we could possibly expect from to play this season is really has been how he's played. So it's like... It's just kind of, it's, as we've always said, the Bulls are just in a weird spot. Tough decisions to be made. How about Capella? He's making basically the same thing Vooch is making, $20 million a year. I don't know how you really get him, but I think Atlanta could be a team that could use a reset. John Collins, can he be a center? He's not giving you any rim protection either, if that's the case. But Capella can rebound. He can block shots. Uh, I don't think he's quite as elite as a shot blocker as he used to be. He's no. 28 right now. Uh, will be 29 in May. He has two years remain on his deal after this one, but that would just be like a different type of center right. to look at. And he would have, you know, so you'd have him for two more years, average of 21 million per year. Uh, if Atlanta wanted to get rid of him and focus more on Anyeka Akangwu as their starting center, he might be someone you could look at. Also, like John Collins has been in trade rumors for like, Forever, his whole career basically. He says he he admitted he just like doesn't give a shit anymore about it. Just like trade me, please. <laughs> uh, he's twenty five still. So Collins, like, he would probably he blocks more shots than Vooch. He's at one point four blocks per game. So you know he's got a little different offensive skill set too. He could also maybe give you some of the shooting that Vooch gives you. He's not really a natural center. He's more of a four, but like he's a big. So maybe you could just like. Go get John Collins. Put him in the mean, five. If, Pat if, in the four. I don't. I, I feel like if they were to go get John Collins, they would do it to like upgrade on Pat for right now. I don't think they would trade. They wouldn't trade Pat for him. Obviously, John Collins' value is I feel like pretty low right now. You might be able to buy low just because he's been on the market so long and like he clearly doesn't want to be there. The Hawks are a complete clusterfuck. Uh, so Can you like, play the five. What do you think? I think maybe like full time five. Just I don't. I don't know about that. Probably not. But like if Pat was a better rebounder, a center. If the Bulls had better rebounders like around him, maybe, and just like better defensive players, I just, I mean, Pat's a per- has become a pretty good defender, but he's not a good rebounder yet. And, you, and then you have like Zach Demar, and I mean, Lonzo's a good rebounder when he's back. I don't know. Full time center John Collins, I'm just not sure about that. He would be pretty undersized. Yeah. Eh. Like it's I said, an idea. It, I feel like if the Bulls were in like an actual good win now position, he'd be a good guy to just go get to play power forward and you bring Pat off the bench for another year or two or something like that and see what happens from there. Uh, because I mean, Pat has just been fine again. He's been kind of, just, he had, a, he had, he's had some good games. He's had some huge dud games again. And he didn't do much against the Warriors. And I think the Thunder game, he didn't do any, no, no, the Thunder game he was, did play well. And I think it was the Wizards game. He didn't do anything. So it's like, uh, I don't know, but, I don't think I don't think the Bulls are in a position where they're going to go like trade for John Collins to like be their starting four right now, but uh, who knows? Let's move on. Let's talk about Lonzo. Uh, as I mentioned before, I'll wrap up here with a little, we did get some Alonzo update. 
Uh, well, first of all, what was it, last week uh, over the weekend? Might have been Friday, maybe end of last week. Alonzo uh, posts on Instagram uh, some whatever videos of him working out on a treadmill, running on a treadmill. I think there was a video of him dunking too, I believe. Uh, either way, he's doing a bunch of workout stuff, and we have not seen him running. If we, as Ed has been talking about, he hasn't done running in whatever like a year, and he admitted that today he, over in Paris. He had he met the media and he talked about how he that was like the first time he's been running. He acknowledged, and we could all see it in that video. He there was like a hitch in his gait, uh, did not look very comfortable. Clearly, uh, when you've been uh, off your or not running for that long and dealing with this injury, and he had also admitted there's still discomfort there. That the running running is going to look a bit weird. Uh, he addressed it all. And he said, like, he's not totally ruling out him being back. But I think at the, I think at this point, he probably realizes it. Everybody realizes it. I mean, we're in the mid-January right now. There's, what, three years le- or three three months left in the regular season? Four months? Whatever we're at? Like, at this point, it just does not seem realistic to expect Lonzo to be back. Because he's just running now. There's still some discomfort that he's going to have to get over. He's still going to have to, like, get his running, whatever, gait back to normal. And at just some point, you just can't throw this guy back out there. And like, if you're the Bulls are like trying for a playoff race, so like when, with the the time running out, and I think he's probably acknowledging that as well. Like, well, he's not totally ruling it out. You just it's just the reality of the situation. There's there's just not that much time left for him to come back and make a legitimate comeback this season. I think we kind of in recent weeks, months have kind of just uh, uh, accepted it that he's not going to come back this season. Uh, claims that this is not going to be a career threatening thing. Obviously, we hope that's the case. Um, this does seem like a thing where maybe he has to deal with some pain or some discomfort, just no matter what Casey reported, there's some insurance in his four year, $80 million contract. Um, so like, I guess you could kind of call this a somewhat positive Lonzo ball update the last couple of days. Um, would you, would you choose to say that even though it is probably again, just kind of looking like he's not going to play and that there still is this discomfort, but the fact that he's running, at least is like a slight step forward. That was always like my thing. It's like, is he running? Does he still have discomfort? He still does have discomfort, but like he looks like doing some somewhat intense running. So what is it? Is this a positive or negative Lonzo ball update in these last couple of days here? So first of all, we did pass the one year mark. We did of Lonzo's last yes. game. He got hurt on January 14th. That was the last game he played. It was against the Warriors. I was there. The Bulls lost by like a million that game. You might have been there too. I was there. I was there. He also got hurt that game and had his knee issues. Yep. So we're over a year now. Uh, That video of Lonzo running made my knees hurt just looking at it. (laughs) It just did not look like a professional athlete running. And it was cool to see Lonzo say today that it's not going to be career threatening. Of course, he's not going to say like this, I'm never going to play again or whatever. Like there will be a point where, you know, it's going to, it's we're, it's going to play out like how impacted will his career be? Is he going to be fully ready to go next season at the start of next season? Is he going to be an active participant in training camp? How much pain is he going to be experiencing next season during training camp when he's trying to come back? Cause I don't expect him to play this year at all. Yeah. I think that that's just unrealistic. Uh, you just hope he can recover, man. It's such a weird injury. You almost wish he would have torn his Achilles or would have torn his ACL or both maybe because this injury just is super bizarre. And it seems likely that he is, he may be able to run again and, you know, 
That's an essential part of playing basketball. <laughs> yes, but it, it seems like he's going to have pain management the rest of his career. So it sucks. He's 25, I believe. Uh, so these should be the best years of his career. That's why it was such a good move when the Bulls signed him. Yeah, he's 25. He'll be 26 yeah. next year. Because the best years of his career were in front of him. And this injury just really sapped that away because if you got bad knees, dude, it's very hard to play basketball. And it sure seems like Lonzo has bad knees. You hope he can be 100% next year. Can he be 90% next year? That would be pretty good, too. Uh, Because really, like, he relied on his athleticism a bit defensively. Just being able to like hold up against bigger forwards, being really quick darting into the passing lanes. His offensive game was not really predicated on athleticism yeah, at all. Not at all. He never really drove to the basket. Yeah. He was mostly a guy who was a connective passer and a volume three-point shooter. So the offense, I think, should be okay as long as the knees are passable. The defense could slip, though, and his defense was spectacular. It was one of the reasons he was such a great yeah, role player. Like so, mobility, uh, stuff like that, side-to-side mobility. Still feel for Lonzo. Would love to see him back this year. It's not going to happen, though. So if you're hoping for it, I think you got to readjust your expectations. I would be shocked if you played this year. Yeah, same. Uh, same. I mean, like I said, watching so that video. For- yeah, just watching the video. It's like you, first time running, and it's clearly a lot of work to do there on that on that stride. Uh, and if, like I said, still feeling it like. There's just not enough time left. Again, only a few months left uh, until the playoffs. And it's not like they're going to throw them out there during like a playoffs, like if in a play in situation or like in the last week or so, I would think so. Yeah, probably not coming back this season. <laughs> yeah. So, Bulls' next game in Paris. Yeah. Against the Pistons. Uh, Bulls have not played in Paris since 1997 when they played as part of the McDonald's Cup games, which was a competition the NBA did against like other international teams in the early or in the mid 90s. So the Bulls are back to Paris and they're playing the Pistons. Uh, it's their only game this week. Their get, next game after that is Monday the 23rd against the Hawks. You look at this upcoming schedule, Jace, and it's a lot of winnable games. I'll yeah. read you the next 10. Pistons in Paris, home against the Hawks, road against the Pacers, who are sneaky, pretty good. Road against but no the Pacers are horrible. Pacers are slumping and, a bit without Halliburton. Halliburton. So that's that's huge. Road against the Hornets, road against the Magic. Home against the Clippers, who are super uneven. Home against the Hornets, home against Portland, home against Spurs, who are terrible. So that's the next nine. Uh, And then it gets hard. Then they play Memphis, Brooklyn, Cleveland, all on the road. But uh, those next nine games. Got to win six or seven. Like, you just got to do it. Six or seven. Yeah, you got to do it. If they're going to get into this, back into this race at all, and like not, and even threaten at all for like the sixth seed, if that's even a thing, you got to win six or seven. Um, If not, they're just going to keep meandering around this record and probably be whatever, nine or 10, especially because the schedule does, as you said, it toughens up then. I believe it gets more difficult again as the just kind of at the end of the season. So, like, you got to win these games. I mean, Detroit, the Pistons, I know, like, whatever, playing in France, it's a weird schedule, a weird game, like, in France. I mean, it's the fucking Pistons. You got to beat them. You can't lose the Pistons, uh, Paris or not, like, whatever. And DeMar, it looks like DeMar will be coming back. So, like, it's just a game you got to win. No zero excuses. You got to beat the Pistons in Paris. Uh, be a cool experience for them. I was in Paris this uh, at the end of last year in the fall. It was fucking awesome. 
don't go drink too much wine and eat too much French food out there, bulls, and don't just don't shit yourself. And please just beat the dang Pistons in Paris. Um, and yeah, they'll get some nice time time off after that as well. Don't um, shit yourself. Are you trying to tell us something about your Paris trip? No, 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 no. Just I, I guess on the court, <laughs> I meant. Uh, but uh, just don't, please, just don't blow this game and just make us all angry again by losing this game in Paris. That's really all I ask. Or maybe some people want them to see them lose this game and uh, continue their way towards maybe blowing this thing up. But um, since we don't think they're going to do that, just beat the Pistons and just, just please, just do it. So. So yeah, again, maybe the Bulls would have blow, blown it up if it wasn't for the playing tournament, Jason. But I don't think they want to blow it up anyway. We I don't think so story. either. They I mean, even no, then, the eight, the eights—they're no like they're like a game out of the eight seed right now. And it looks like the Knicks are going to lose the Raptors in OT today. I mean, the Bulls—they're still like in, I think let me, who's in the eighth seed right now? It's the Pacers. The Pacers have lost four in a row. They're the Bulls are only three games behind the eight seed. So like, even if there was no playing tournament, they probably would not be blowing it up. We well, know the Bulls are two and a half games out of the eight seed right now. Miami looks like they might lose in Atlanta. All these teams here just stink, man. So like, they wouldn't blow it up. They're still just kind of right there. They so again, if they're gonna have any chance here to get in this mix to, for like the six seed, gotta win a bunch of these games coming up. And that's that's the bottom line, and that's it. So one game this week, it's in Paris. Uh, and they got to win it. That's bottom line. That's going to do it for us here in this episode of Cash Considerations, a Chicago Bulls podcast. As always, shout out to the Blue Wire Network. If you like what we're doing here at Cash, tons of great pods all across Blue Wire. Great stuff going on. We got the NFL playoffs happening. We got, we're in the middle of this NBA season. We got the trade deadline coming up. We'll be plenty of stuff to talk about. For us here at Cash, please rate and review us. Give us those five-star ratings. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, all those good places. You can follow me on Twitter. I'm at Bulls underscore J. You can follow Ricky at SBN underscore Ricky. So that's going to do it for us here. In this episode of Cash Considerations, a Chicago Bulls podcast. Go beat the Pistons in Paris. Take it easy, everybody.